Welcome to Real Truth Real Quick. My name's Adam Tarno, joined as always by Todd Wagner. Hello, Adam. Hello, friends. All right, Todd, question this week is this. What is the meaning of Jesus' exception clause in Matthew 19.9? Well, it's a great question because uh, we're talking about certainly a topic that affects almost all of us. Everybody knows somebody that's been through a broken relationship. And it's one that people who originally heard Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount who stuck this in there, right there in Matthew chapter 5, verses 32, and then he kind of continued on, um, later came back to Jesus and pulled out that one particular statement and said, we got some questions for you about what you think. So um, let's take a look at it. Why don't you read us Matthew 19, verse 9, and then we'll actually expand the conversation and we're going to answer it together. There we go. He says this. He says, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Yeah, and so sometimes people look at this, and this is what's commonly called the exception clause because of the word except for immorality. And what people sometimes make the mistake in thinking is that the exception clause that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19 is an expectation clause. Mm. Is that the expectation would be that if somebody um, treacherously damages the covenant relationship between a man and a woman, then you have the freedom, maybe even the responsibility, some would think, to get divorced. And that's not at all what Jesus is saying right there. In fact, you know, hopefully in this short time we'll explain it. We'll put some links in the show notes to other places we've talked about this in a longer form format. But the expectation of Scripture is always reconciliation and um, a fulfillment of the covenant view of marriage. Right. All right? If you're interested in what Jesus says about marriage, then you ought to listen to what Jesus says about marriage. And what Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says about marriage is that it's permanent on earth, it's exclusive between a male and a female, and it's illustrative of Christ's love for the church. So I don't know anybody, Adam, I don't know anybody who is um, completely faithful in their love for and service of Jesus Christ. So I am an infidel in many ways. I'm unfaithful to Jesus um, at different times, and I am so glad that he never leaves me or forsakes me. The scripture says, in fact, that he is faithful even when we are faithless. And so what Jesus is really saying here, if you just look at it uh, point blank, the easiest way to describe it, okay, and I hope folks hang with me here throughout the rest of our explanation, but right. what Jesus is really saying here is if you do terminate the marriage relationship with a person for any other reason than that person having already committed an immoral sexual act, then you're going to put them in a place where when they remarry, they're going to commit an immoral sexual act. They're going to become an adulterer when they wed themselves or uh, become one with somebody else other than you. Because as Jesus makes clear a little bit earlier, in this little conversation, and we should probably read the earlier parts of the interchange, what Jesus basically says, I think you and I both said this in different places, is what God has won, we should not unwon. Right. So now, having said that, uh, the exception clause is not a place that you should go to go, well, I can divorce. See, Jesus says that if you divorce for any other reason than this, no, you're in trouble. That's not what he says. What he says is that this is the only thing that somebody could have done that if you divorcing them won't make them become it. Right. Okay? And so um, let's look at the earlier part of the conversation. It says some Pharisees came to him to test him because the Pharisees were not happy with what Jesus had done. What Jesus had done is he had taken their traditional understanding of the commandments of God 
and had twisted them to make them mean something that the commandments never meant. There was never a problem with the command. The problem was with their twisting of the command. So here's the traditional view, if you will, of the Pharisees to the Torah and the Mishnah. Jesus says, here's the truth of what the command means. And now here's what you ought to do. Here's the, the way you ought to go about living, the task of living faithfully as a kingdom person who understands the kingdom ethic. Okay, And basically what Jesus is going to say is, if you're a kingdom person with a kingdom ethic, you'll live like the king wants. And the king never wanted to see what God had joined together be torn apart. Why don't you read the, the question the Pharisees asked? Yeah, so they came up to him, large crowds, and they said to him, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Yeah. And then Jesus came back and said, had you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? He said, therefore... Uh, a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Whatever God has joined together, let not man separate. So a verse that you hear at all kinds of weddings. Right, right yeah. It's Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Those 28 words, Jesus saying, here's God's intention, that man and woman would become one flesh and never be anything but one flesh. Okay, but if a, a man or a woman, in the context of a covenant relationship, commits what is called immorality in Matthew 19.9 and in Matthew 5.32. The word there, if it matters, is pornea. It doesn't even mean sexual infidelity in marriage. It can mean being with a prostitute before you're married. It can mean uh, just any illicit sexual act that's inappropriate, okay? It says if you commit pornea, if somebody commits pornea, then when you divorce them, you're not gonna make them. Actually, the next word is different for the word for adultery. There's a word that means that you're breaking the marital covenant. If it matters, it's how is the word. And so um, what's interesting is that it's a broader class of sin that honestly, Jesus, if you go back and you want to be faithful to the text, what Jesus says is, you've heard it said you should not commit mechau, you should not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, which would be in that broader category of pornea, any illicit sexual act that's dishonoring to God and you're your spouse, then you've committed the act of adultery, which means that everybody has permission to kind of divorce and, and go, I have a right to divorce because look, this other person has not been um, moral in the way that God says they should. And, and we certainly know Jesus didn't mean that. He just says, hey, what God joined together, let no one tear apart. And so then the Pharisees respond and they go, well, if that's the case, why did Moses command us to give a woman a writ of divorce? And so Jesus' response is basically, hey, Moses commanded you to explain why you're divorcing somebody. He didn't command you to divorce right. somebody, okay? And he's just saying the intention again from the beginning is that sin would not define your relationship. And by the way, let me just say this. People that have a kingdom mindset, what's a kingdom mindset? You're poor in spirit. In other words, you don't have a prideful sense that you know the right way, that are in fact brokenhearted over your own immorality, that um, say to God, I want to be meek. I want you to lead my life, not my own flesh, my own will, my own hurt lead my life, who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who are... Um, merciful because they've received mercy, who are pure in heart, who uh, are peacemakers. These are all things in the very first part of the Sermon on the Mount. People are saying, I'm willing to suffer for the sake of the kingdom. Those kind of people don't leave people because other people have hurt them and disappointed them. Okay? So um, Jesus' basic response is, hey, because of your hardness of heart and the way you were treating each other, um, because you basically had taken what Moses commanded you to do because of your sin 
And he said, I command you to declare why you're divorcing that wife. Because some people would divorce their wife because they were uh, loud talkers or because they were nagging about picking up the laundry or because they were no longer desirable physically. Right. And they would divorce them, marry somebody else, and then go back to them. It was basically legalized wife swapping and stigmatizing women. And so in Deuteronomy 24, which is what Jesus quotes in this Matthew 19 passage, Jesus basically says, you declare why you're divorcing that woman. And I'm telling you, if you divorce her for any other reason than her or him having committed adultery, you're going to leave that person in a spot where they're, when they remarry, somebody else is going to become an adulterer. That's basically God's view. So the exception clause, to wrap this up, with links to a more full explanation, is not an expectation clause. The expectation of kingdom people is that they would become, as Jesus completes a little bit later in this section, eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, hey, this, this command of a high view of marriage, that nothing's going to break the covenant illustration of Christ's love for the church, he said, this is only for people who can bear it. This is only for people who are willing to live with the humble attitude of Jesus Christ in being faithful even when other people are faithless. I do want to put in here real quick, Adam, that doesn't mean if you're in an abusive situation, you shouldn't remove yourself from that abuser, yeah. okay? And it doesn't mean that you got to just sit there and put up with somebody's, um, even if they're not physically abusing you, that they're taking advantage of you by just knowing that you're a gracious, merciful person, so they're going to cat around all day long. There is a time, okay, to bring about a consequence to somebody's behavior, but for the purpose of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So even if something as horrible as divorce, which is always treachery, okay, happens in a marriage, it doesn't mean that reconciliation still can't be God's highest and greatest call. That's such a helpful answer, yeah. Todd. Thank you so much. Click on those show notes for some other helpful resources. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll talk to you again next week.